God, thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for the reality of knowing you, the living God. And that you have such love and care for us as your people, Lord. And I just thank you for revealing yourself to us this morning through your word, through your spirit. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to see and to hear what you're doing today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, last week I started a two-part series on divine healing. And as, as I mentioned last week, my goal is to give us reasons to believe that God still heals today. To build up our faith and our expectation to believe from a biblical perspective that God still hears today. And I set down four guidelines uh, last week for our discussion but the most important of those is when you're trying to understand healing, you go to the scripture to, to tell you what God thinks about healing. You don't rely on your feelings. You don't rely on your experiences. You go to the word of God and let that define for you God's heart toward healing. And that's what we're trying to do in this series. Last week, we developed the biblical principle that healing is part of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. Uh, it, it, is, it is just as much God's will to heal our bodies, I believe, as it is to save us from sin. And uh, we looked at Isaiah 53, verse 5, where it says this, But he, Jesus, was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, or by his stripes, we are healed. Now, there are some theologians who want to explain that away to spiritual uh, healing, but we, we, we let Matthew 8 interpret that for us, Matthew 8, verse 16. It says, When evening came, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. That, to me, refers to physical healing. Then, verse 17, this was to fulfill, this was to fulfill what, Jesus, what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Amen? So I, just, I believe divine healing is a benefit of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We also last week saw how sickness and disease was always considered a curse. It was never considered a blessing. Jesus has never taught anyone to resign themselves to being sick. Amen? So, uh, to get into our discussion this morning, I want to talk about faith and unbelief. Uh, healing requires, I believe, some level of faith on someone's part. For example, in uh, Mark chapter 5, when the woman with the issue of blood pressed in through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, he said to her, your faith has made you well. In Mark chapter 2, it says that Jesus saw the faith of the four men who lowered their friend down through the roof so Jesus could heal him. In Mark 17, the disciples, uh, not Mark, Matthew 17, the disciples were, they were, a father brought a boy to them, his son to them, and they were unable to heal him. And um, in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says to them, they wanted to know why, because they believed, they believed in healing, they've seen many healings, and they wanted to know why they didn't understand and uh, Jesus said to them in Matthew 17, 20, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith 
the size of a mustard seed. How big is a mustard seed? It's a tiny little seed. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Now, here's a question. If Jesus was telling them the problem was their small faith, then why did he tell them it only takes small faith to move mountains? It's a good question. Yes, I thought it was a good question as well. Um, in Matthew 21, Jesus was passing. He approached the fig tree. He wanted to get some fruit off it. There was no fruit on it. He cursed the fig tree, and it withered. And the disciples were amazed. And in uh, Matthew 21, 21, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. Jesus is if Jesus tells us to believe without doubting, then it must be possible to believe with doubting. In Mark 9, a father brings his son to Jesus who had demonic seizures and the, and the demonic was trying to kill him. And the father approaches Jesus and asks him if he would heal his son. And in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, all things, how many things? All things are possible to him who what? Believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Now consider this situation for a moment. Jesus had the power to heal. Jesus had the willingness to heal. But he cast the responsibility back on the Father and His faith. And in, uh, as a result of that, in uh, verse 21, uh, immediately the boy's father cried out and he said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. <coughs> and so as I read that, I believe the Father um, had faith, but He also had unbelief in His heart. Uh, Romans 12.3 says, God is allowed to each a measure of faith. It may not be sometimes in some situations that we need more faith. It may be that unbelief in our heart is hindering our faith. It's just like weeds in a, in a real garden compete with the good plants for the, the nutrients and the moisture in the soil. In the same way, unbelief can compete with and hinder our faith. Now, we, we all understand how um, faith comes. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe all, uh, unbelief also comes by listening to things. What, what are we listening to? What are we watching? Is it building up our faith or producing unbelief and doubt in our hearts and our minds? It was Andrew Womack who said, unbelief is really belief in the wrong direction. Which I think is true. Bill Johnson says, unbelief is not necessarily the absence of faith. It can be the presence of unbelief. So we need to really consider, what are we hearing? What are we listening to? What are we watching? In the, in the media, the news, movies, um, TV programs, music, what is it we're feeding our soul and our spirit with? We're surrounded by a materialistic and a rationalistic worldview uh, where matter and reason define everything. And so much of what we hear and see erodes away our faith and produces unbelief and doubt in our hearts and our minds. There's an interesting story about Smith Wigglesworth. He was a man who saw many miraculous 
healings and, and ministered in the area of healing. <clears throat> Someone wanted to visit Wigglesworth. I wanted to visit with him in his home. And so he, uh, he went to his home and he happened to have a newspaper tucked under his arm. He knocked on the door and he asked Wigglesworth if he could come in and visit with him. And Wigglesworth said, sure, you can come in, but that thing must stay outside. That newspaper must stay outside. Why? Because he knew its contents fueled unbelief and doubt because of the world perspective that it came from. He was very careful to guard his heart and his mind and that whatever he allowed to enter it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Our society is filled with lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have all kinds of thoughts and they wander everywhere and they can go to all kinds of different places. I've got to bring them into obedience to Christ and His Word. I've got to bring them back so they align with God and His Word. So we need to be careful, like Smith Wigglesworth perhaps, and guard what we allow in through our eye gate and our ear gate. Amen? Now, how do we exercise our faith? Um, one of the best definitions of faith I've heard many years ago is that faith is a relationship with God. Faith is basically a relationship with God. And faith comes, as it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by the word, Christ being the living word. So if we're going to expect the miraculous in the area of healing, we must pursue God. Not just healing. We can't, it's not pursuing healing. It's pursuing the Lord. It's pursuing a relationship with the living God, learning to experience the reality of His presence in our lives. Now, just some possible ways to exercise our faith. Number one, a revelation of God's love. I believe a revelation of how much God loves us is going to elevate our faith to a whole new level. In Galatians 5, 6, it talks about faith working through love. We need to understand, to know, to realize, not just know about, but experience the reality of how much God loves us, and it will boost our faith and our confidence in God and His Word and the promises that we find in His Word. That's why it's so important, I believe, for believers that we be in the Word of God and we be in prayer. That we're spending time filling our hearts and minds with the Word of God and we're spending time listening to the Lord and talking to the Lord in prayer. And I believe as we do that, we'll gain a greater and greater revelation of God's love for us and how much God loves us. Secondly is personal sanctification. Uh, too often we see our life and our physical body for our own purposes, our own satisfaction, our own use. It's ours. We're going to do with our life. We're going to do with our body what we want. And we don't always see that it is for the Lord. And the more we set ourselves apart for God, not just our spirit man, but our spirit, our soul, and our body, the more we set our parts ourselves apart for God, the more we're going to experience the power of God in our lives. Often, I know this is true for me, often when we're sick, we're preoccupied with our body and whatever condition that we're struggling with. But if we've truly given our bodies over to the Lord, then it's His responsibility to take care of them. And we need to learn to leave our bodies to the care of the Lord. 
Now, I'm not saying don't take care of your body. I'm not saying don't eat good food. I'm not saying any of those things. But we've got to learn to turn ourselves over completely to our God. We need to change our focus from earth to heaven. Sanctification may also involve repentance, confession of sin, dying to ourselves, and looking to Jesus. I like the song we sang this morning, I Speak Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Personal sanctification. Third reason is speak to the mountain. In Mark 11, 23, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Now when I read those verses like that, I believe the mountain here refers to whatever problem you and I might be facing. Now, I'd like to move some physical mountains around. I, I think it would be nice if Florida had a snow-capped mountain right in the middle of the state. And we had the beaches, we had the mountain, it'd be all nice. But um, I believe, by and large, what he's talking about here is the problems that we might be facing uh, in life. We already mentioned earlier that Jesus spoke to a fig tree and it withered. And here Jesus tells his disciples to speak to the mountain. Now, he did not tell them to speak to God about the mountain. He told them to speak to the mountain or to speak to the problem in your life. Now, I understand there's many areas of life where we must appeal to God for insight, wisdom, and deliverance. But there are other areas in our life where I believe God has given us some level of authority, and one of those areas is healing. There is a place, I believe, to speak to an illness or a disease in the name of Jesus and command it to be gone. There is a place uh, to command the disease or the sickness to respond to God's healing power. There is a place to speak to the reality of 1 Peter 2.24 that healing was provided for us 2,000 years ago. And if we were healed 2,000 years ago, then we are healed today. Number four, stepping out in faith. What does it look like to step out in faith when when we're in the middle of a trial or a difficulty in our lives? In Luke 17, verse 12, Uh, we have a story of ten lepers. It says, as Jesus entered a village, ten leprous men who, who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. I believe healing, like many things uh, uh, in the Lord, often involves an act of faith, a stepping out in faith. Jesus did not heal them and then tell them to go. He told them to go before being healed and present themselves to the Lord. And so they were healed as they took the step of faith. They obeyed obeyed Jesus' word over natural wisdom. Someone tells that to me, I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to go to the priest until I see I'm healed. Right? Right? But he said, go to the priest, go, go, go to the priest and show yourself to the priest. And as they did that, they were healed. Perhaps, like the lepers, there's a place for us under the leading of the Holy Spirit to take a step of faith. I'm not saying we pretend that we're not sick. I'm not saying to stop your medication without asking a doctor. But I, but I am saying there might be a place in whatever situation we're facing to take a step of faith. And one step 
for us might be to stop talking about our sickness and declare the promises of God over our situation. Sometimes I think we have more faith in the sickness than we do have in the healing power of God. The fifth reason is the prayer offered in faith. And we find this in John, James chapter 5, verse 14. He says, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. One of the things that's really clear to me in, the, in those verses is that James says with incredible assurance that if we pray in faith, God will heal the one who is sick. There's no doubt in his mind. He's completely assured of that. Now, I, now the prayer often of faith, I don't believe is limited to the elders. I believe we can pray the prayers of faith over one another. But to pray a prayer of faith, we've got to push unbelief out of our hearts and our minds Amen. and allow, the, the, allow faith to grow inside of us. I also believe God gives people according to their faith. You can believe God heals and you'll receive it according to your faith. You can believe God does not heal and you'll receive it according to your faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to examine what we believe the Scripture says about healing. Now I want to talk, this is kind of a little difficult area, but I want to talk about some possible hindrances to healing. Uh, I believe most people do not want to be sick. Uh, Psalm 118.17 says, I will, die, I will not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Amen. I will not die but live and, and tell of the works of the Lord. I, I know several times I've struggled with some issues, and particularly heart issues, and there were times I wondered, well, Lord God, am I going to make it till morning? And I would quote that verse, I will not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Sometimes listening to your own voice will build up your faith. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. I believe that God created us to live eternally, and that is somehow programmed into man's DNA. Now, I know that Jesus did not heal every sick person in the world, but he did heal everyone who came to him for healing. And I believe having an understanding that Christ died for our sins as well for our healing, is key to being able to pray in faith. If you go, like I said last week, I came to a place where if I was going to pray in faith for people that were sick, I needed to, to know in my heart and my mind what the Word of God says about healing so I have something to stand on. I have nothing to stand on except the Word of God. And so I look to the Word of God for my understanding of, of, of healing. Some possible reasons people are sick or not healed. Number one, personal sin. Now, let me say this right off the bat. Not all sickness is sin. Okay, so if there's a sick person in the room, don't point your finger around and say, well, they're in sin. Right? We have a very real enemy, and we live in a fallen world. And we'll talk about both of those things in a moment. There was a man who was sick for 38 years, uh, and Jesus healed him. And in John 5, 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, I believe sin can open the door for the devil to oppress us with sickness, disease, and hinder us from receiving our healing. 
However, in my mind, these verses do not say that God sent the sickness or disease as some kind of punishment for sin. I don't believe God is out to get us when we sin. However, if there is sin in our lives, confession of sin is an important part of the healing process. Amen? There, there are also times that we reap what we sow. For example, sexual promiscuity can lead to sexually transmitted diseases. Obsessive use of alcohol, drugs, smoking can damage various parts of our bodies. These are the results of disobeying the natural laws that God has set up in creation, not God making people sick. Jesus was walking by a man that had been born blind in John chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. Verse 2, and it says this, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, it's interesting that their immediate assumption was there must have been sin involved somewhere for this man to have been born blind. Well, in verse 3, Jesus answered them, and he said, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, again, as I read this verse, verses, I believe Jesus was simply saying, First of all, that sin was not the cause of that man's blindness. And second of all, that God would be glorified by healing him. It does not say God made him blind. The Bible's silent on why he was blind. Whatever the reason, though, we can always turn to God because, we, because he's, he's, he heals, has the power to heal, and he's willing to heal. Another verse that I find, or a series of verses that I find a little difficult is in 1 Corinthians 11, um, where uh, Paul is warning the church not to take communion in an unworthy manner. Um, now, I've always wondered about this verse and what I was exactly saying. He doesn't really explain what it means to take uh, communion in an unworthy manner. Uh, is this a warning to unbelievers who might be in the church not to take communion because they're not, uh, they're, they haven't properly discern the, the physical blood and, and body of the Lord, and so they're not covered by the blood of Christ? Is he speaking to believers who have some unrepentant sin in their lives, and again, they're not properly discerning uh, the body and blood of Christ? Is he talking about those who might harbor unforgiveness or resentment or uh, rejection of other members of the body of Christ? Again, not, interpreting, not um, uh, properly uh, understanding uh, the body of Christ in the sense of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whatever the situation might be, it's obviously shown in these verses that this is a serious situation to the Lord. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, it says this, For this reason, many among you are, are weak and sick, and a number sleep, or a number have died. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the, with the world. Now, in these verses here, it, it, it seems to appear that sickness, in this case, is a judgment of God. And Paul exhorts us to examine ourselves and to judge ourselves rightly, and if we judge ourselves rightly, then we will not be judged. Now, I want to couple that with what we saw, I think, last week in Lamentations 3.33, where, where it says, For he, God, does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. And I don't believe it's God's heart, or God's desire to afflict men, and he does not do it without significant provocation. So, there you go. 
personal sanctification. Yes. Number two, unbelief. I just, we just talked about this in detail, so I'm not going to say much about it now. Uh, I believe unbelief hinders the miraculous works of God in our lives. Uh, again, remember, Jesus is Savior of the whole man. Not just the spirit man, the whole man. Body, soul, and spirit. Healing like spiritual salvation is obtained by faith. And unbelief hinders our faith and the work of God in our lives. All right, number three. We're in a spiritual war. In case you didn't realize that, when you were born again, you entered into an ongoing war. And in this war, we have a real enemy, Satan and his demons, who use all types of weapons against us. Sickness may come as a result of the spiritual battle that we're in. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, I believe Jesus defeated Satan at the cross, but we still battle with the world, our flesh, and the demonic. Therefore, it's of, of greater importance than ever that we do it, it says in James 4, 7, that we submit to God, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We must submit to God. That speaks to me of, of sanctifying ourselves, turning our lives completely over to the Lord, body, soul, and spirit, seeing them as His. Submit to God, His purpose, His will, His plan, but we also have to stand up and resist the devil. And then He will flee from us. Amen? All right, number four, we live in a fallen world. Many difficulties we experience are the natural results of living in a fallen world. Uh, a wound gets infected not because of sin or a demon, but the result of, of corruption in the world in which we live. Germs, bacteria, viruses were corrupted as a result of the fall, and they can harm our bodies. We might have an accident and be injured. We cannot totally escape the reality uh, of what it means to live in a corrupt and fallen world but we can always appeal to God for healing. We can always turn to God, regardless of what we experience, for healing. Now, I actually have time to cover this, I think. Um, Paul's, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? You ever talk about healing? Everybody brings up Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um, and it, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Where it says, because of the surpassing, Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there's been given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, let me, let me first say this. Unless you've been given the level of revelation that Paul has, you do not have a thorn in the flesh. Now, there's various beliefs down through history in the church concerning Paul's thorn. It's interesting that Martin Luther and John Calvin both believed that his thorn was some type of temptation or unbelief that he struggled with from time to time. Others believe it was a severe physical ailment, such as an eye defect. There's others that believe it was an infirmity of temper that Paul would give in to from time to time. Others refer to uh, believe it was the people that persecuted Paul. And if you look at Numbers 
33.55, God is warning the nation of Israel, and He says, if you don't get the enemies out of the land, they are going to become a thorn in your side. And so some believe that, that it was the people who persecuted him. Um, I'm personally not convinced Paul's thorn in the flesh was a physical ailment that God would not heal. But I'll just leave that to you to sort that all out. Um, so that's, my, uh, that's as much time as I want to spend on Paul's thorn in the flesh. Anyway, let me just conclude with a few thoughts. I understand that we're not going to experience the fullness of eternal life this side of heaven. But I do believe starting from the, from the moment we are born again, we should be laboring to experience all of the kingdom of God that we can experience here on this earth. And just, as Jesus, just as Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10, He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray that. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. Just as it is in heaven. Establish your order. Your kingdom order. Your kingdom presence in my life. I also believe that that includes appropriating all that God has for us in the area of divine healing. Again, I would say that Jesus' atoning work on the cross or His redemptive work on the cross paid for sin and all its effects, which includes physical healing. I do not believe that sickness is God's desire for any part of His creation. Now, there's some difficult Bible verses. We looked at 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, you find in 2 Timothy 4, Trophimus was too ill to travel. You find in, uh, in Philippians 2, Epaphroditus was gravely ill. Now, I believe both of those men were uh, finally, uh, eventually healed. But if someone is sick, it does not mean that it was God's will for them to be sick. We have freedom to make choices, and sometimes we make bad choices that affect our bodies adversely. We have a very real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we live in a fallen and corrupt world. Romans 8, 28 most of us are aware of this verse. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. Now, what are the two requirements there for God causing all things to work together for good? Love God, and we see that and understand that we've been called according to His purposes. God can use anything in our lives for good, but it does not mean that everything that happens in our lives is from God. We can learn, we can grow through pain and suffering regardless of, of, of where it comes from. And it's interesting that, and I didn't, didn't have time to read these verses, but the Bible treats suffering different from healing. The Bible does not say that we will not suffer, but the Word of God assures us of healing through Christ and the cross. And so there's a difference between suffering and physical illnesses. In the end, I believe the ultimate healer is Jesus Christ, and to Him must make our appeal. And I would encourage us together as the church to press in like the woman with the issue of blood, press in to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and that we would have the same results. Our testimony would be that power proceeds forth from the Lord and heals many.
So, uh, let, let me just uh, close with this. Uh, 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 talk for a moment, just briefly, about the healing room. Um, we have a healing room uh, once a month here at the church. Uh, and I want to alleviate any reasons someone might have for not going to the healing room. All right? In case you're saying, well, whatever. Um, number one, you take medicine, you're afraid people will judge you for that. No. I take medicine. I've been to the healing room. Nobody judged me for that. You're not going to be judged for that. Number two, you're afraid you will offend those praying for you if you're not healed. No. They've seen many people healed. They've seen others who haven't been healed. And what will they do? They will keep praying until there is a breakthrough in healing. Number three, you control your symptoms with medication so you see no need to be prayed for. I have some issues I control with medication, but all medications have side effects. I don't want the side effects. I'd rather go and be healed. So don't let that be a hindrance to going to the healing room. And number four, if you are sick, it does not mean you do not have faith. And it does not mean you have some hidden sin in your life. You will not be judged for those things. Amen. So the healing room is open on third Saturday of each month from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Lori couldn't be here today. So someone tell her I put a plug in for the healing room. <laughs> All right. Um, the more I read about healing and study about healing and divine healing, there's so much more that could be said about this whole thing and so many other Bible verses that could be looked at. So again, I don't, I, I don't pretend to have presented the total picture or have the total answer on divine healing, but I am thoroughly convinced that God heals today. And I don't, it doesn't matter what my physical condition is. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm going to stand on that promise. I'm going to seek healing and seek healing and seek healing and seek healing until I see a breakthrough in my own life. And I hope you will do the same for your life. Amen. So as the worship team is coming up, I want to invite the, uh, I want to ask the elders to come over here. We've got a couple of elders out of town, but if the elders would stay on this side of the room and over here, a healing, a ministry team and a healing room team, if you want to come up over here, I just want to give us a chance to pray for the sick and to believe God for healing this morning. Amen. So don't be afraid to come up and receive prayer. These people are men and women of faith. They will pray for you and they will believe for you and they will seek healing for you. So come on up and receive prayer. It's a good word. Amen. I was praying about something. It's just another little part of, I guess, our healing journey. I was asking the Lord about healing for something, and uh, my stomach had been bothering me off and on. And I was praying Psalm 103, and I was believing God. And he finally said to me, Rachel, will you shut up and just pray for me to come and stand on the earth? And I was like, oh, okay. So I have been praying for Jesus to come and stand on the earth daily for over a, well over a year, a year and a half. He's not sta stood here yet, um, but my stomach issue's gone. So. <laughs> so sometimes it's just a kind of a divine dance, right? It's like, okay, I'll heal you. Will you do something for me? Yeah, all right.
come and get prayer. Even if it's something in your heart, not maybe not your physical body, but it's something in your heart. Come and do that. Thank you, God, that you are present to heal our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Thank you, Jesus.
begin to focus on the Lord. Just this final minutes here. Just lift your gaze to Him. Just fix your heart on Him. The one who loves you. The one who died for you.
people up here to pray for you. I'm going to turn you loose. Uh, just with this exhortation, um, my reading of scripture is uh, it's there to conform me to it. I don't think I have a right to try and explain it away or conform it to me. Right? So uh, as a practical takeaway, guys, this is what I want us to do as a church. We can spend a lot of time arguing over disputable matters, although there are verses about that and they are not positive. We can spend a lot of time trying to figure out why this person didn't get healed or that person didn't get healed, and I've almost never seen consensus come on one of those, so it seems like a waste of time. Or we could just go for it. And that's what I'm going to do. I've just decided I'm just going to go for it. I'm not going to try and explain the other stuff. I'm not going to try and dispute with people. I'm just going to go for it. Because the one thing I do know is there should be more healing than there is in the church. And I'll be happy if we just increase. Amen? So, we're going to go for it. Some of you, by the way, need to come to the healing room uh, to pray for people, not just not to get prayer. Uh, some of you need to practice. I went for a while just to pray for people. Uh, and if you're going, I need, I need to I feel like God wants me to do this. Well, that's why it's there. You, the sick people come in. You can practice on them. It's awesome. Amen? Let's just go for it. I'd rather die going for it than being comfortable in my doctrine. Amen? All right. So that being said, I want you to know that's our position here at Church in the Rock. You have freedom to go for it and not worry a whole lot about why or what just as long as you're going for it and you're lining up with the Word of God. Amen? All right, so Father, we just pray you would awaken in us a greater desire to go for the things, not just healing, everything we see in your Word. Lord, that you would cause us to not be content with living below what you've offered for us. And Lord, whether we see it or not, today or tomorrow or the next day, or don't let us lower the bar. We want to keep lifting our eyes to you, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who heals and saves and delivers. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen.